0: And a happy Super Monday to all of you and to those of you that are uh, battling the Super Bowl flu this morning and still headed off to work. We appreciate you <laughs> big time. Uh, we're all here. We're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Somehow, I'm not sure, but yeah. uh, wouldn't did, have been the same if the Lions. Was probably. it because we all copped a little nap in the middle of the Super Bowl? Perhaps I did fall asleep. I I did too. <laughs> okay, I did. okay, a three-way confession. <laughs> um,
1: but we have early mornings. Perhaps that was it. Yeah, yeah. It
0: might have been it, or it might have been just the fact that it was kind of a. I mean, it was 45 to 50 minutes of uh, yeah, and then, and then an a, a nice frenzied end uh, with overtime, but yeah. not. The best game that we've seen, not by a long shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still awaiting to see what the uh, ratings were. Um, we know that last year it was 115 million viewers. They expect to eclipse that, but we'll, uh, we'll keep checking on the, on the Nielsen's. Meantime, uh, it, you know, it was an exciting game at the end and you gotta hand it off to the Chiefs. This is, this is a dynasty, dynasty. and they overcame their own miscues.
1: There was a little bit of, you know, how the Lions lost, of course, to the 49ers. 49ers jump out to this 10-point lead, mm-hmm. and they can't hold it against the 49ers. So there's a little bit of poetry there, I love it. if you will. But mm-hmm. you cannot give Patrick Mahomes two times to try for a game-winning touchdown. So they held him to the field goal to tie it. Yep. And then you win the the toss. Why not defer and see what you're working exactly. with? Exactly. I'm talking about the 49ers right. and Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. This guy has had some Super Bowl heartbreak. He has lost twice in the last five seasons at the Super Bowl, third time overall. The last time was when he was the first one, an offensive coordinator with the Falcons when they Mm -hmm. were leading 28-3 over Tom Brady and the Patriots.
0: biggest collapse in history. Right.
1: So, anyway, Mahomes was great, 8-for-8, 42 yards, ran for 8 yards on 4th and 1 and 19 yards on 3rd and 1 in overtime, and they win.
0: Yeah, when you got that guy, man, when you
2: get
1: the ball in his hand, I'm telling you.
0: I I gotta tell you that this this the saddest story of the Super Bowl was Greenlaw. How do you tell your uh, grandkids? Yeah, I got injured walking onto the field. He was uh, like
1: ready to go, put yeah. me in coach, mm-hmm. and then yeah. he pulled something.
0: It does a little bounce. Well, he's been battling Achilles problems all season, yeah. And it was clear that he must have popped it good
1: because yep, cause he, cause he just couldn't
2: went even put any weight down. on it. He couldn't put any weight on it.
1: Yeah, this is a dynasty now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the minute they win Super Bowl number two on that podium, they're talking about 3 Yeah, to try and be the only team to do that. So, wow. but mm-hmm. our
0: guys beat the dynasty. We sure did. We were dynasty beaters. So they that's did. that's a nice little thing that we can uh, Hang put in our on. cap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, uh, you know, you kind of say, okay, what now? Well, uh, we saw a pretty good game from Michigan State. They seem to be getting ready for March, and if they'd lost that game. Uh, That would have been a a whole – it would have been a big hill to climb for the Spartans.
1: Yes, in talking tournament. Yeah. Yeah, well, Michigan State played really well. And Tom Izzo has got to be happy today at 835 when we talked to him because they beat number 10 Illinois at the Breslin Center. They were great down the stretch. It was really exciting. It felt like a March game. So good for them. Yeah.
0: Uh, Meantime, lots of fallout on a number of fronts from things that politicians said over the weekend at various – rallies. We should point out that uh, while we were sleeping, Israel mounted a uh, an overnight raid and managed to rescue two of their hostages who were in the hands of uh, Hamas terrorists. It was a 2 a.m. raid. Um, it, it killed 37 people because they attacked from the air and on the ground, but they got their hostages out. Uh, that's pretty daring, pretty bold, um, good to see, happy that they are going to be safe. And we still have uh, maybe 130 hostages remaining in the in the clutches of of uh, many of them. Maybe as many as 50 already dead.
1: I was in West Bloomfield on Saturday, and I passed one of the synagogues, mm-hmm. and they have empty chairs for the hostages, and a and a crib. Oh wow. For the people they're waiting to get re- returned, what And a it broke my heart.
0: Powerful statement. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there was a, and that was one of, really one of, I, I hate to call it my one of my favorite ads. That was, to me, one of the most touching ads was, I think, the ADL ad, which had an anti-Semitic slogan painted on a, a woman's
2: garage
3: door. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and uh, she was with her daughter, and her daughter said, what
2: is that? You know, she said, come on, you don't know, and they get in the car and they drive off. The neighbor is next door working on his car. When they come back, the garage is all painted. And she looks at the neighbor who's still working on his car, but the neighbor has paint on his shoes, so yeah. she knows. And they just kind of looked at each other, but and he she gave she her, said, "Thank you." Gave her very the nod. Touching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very good.
0: Uh, we'll we'll uh, have a good discussion about the uh, about the, the Super Bowl ads coming up at seven nineteen. Robert Colt, who's a long time friend of mine, a college buddy, has made it his thing that he uh, analyzes all the Super Bowl ads along with the advertising and PR department at Michigan State. They've got some of their favorites. We'll be wading into that. Coming up. Meantime, a fallout from this statement by President Trump at one of his rallies.
4: One of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay? You're delinquent? He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay.
0: Yeah, and that's wow. Ronald Reagan flipping over in his grave you know uh, I, yeah. hearing that. Um, first of all, can I just say, and I don't know, have you heard anybody talk about this? That that's total bull, do you honestly believe that a NATO leader would stand up in a meeting and say, Mr. President, if I didn't no. pay my bill? that no, wouldn't so happen. This, this is total crap. No, the guy's not. manufacturing a recollection to make himself look grand, to make himself look tucked up. Do I agree with him on this? Yes. We need to make sure that our allies all pay what yeah. they should be. It's 2% of their GDP. It's not like they write a check to NATO, and that's yeah. where he is mischaracterizing what's going on, which he so often does. But the notion that any NATO leader would stand up and say it, uh, <laughs> because if they had... By God, we would have heard about it long Long before before. this.
1: And I think about September 12th, when NATO assisted the United States Mm -hmm. after the September 11th attack in terms of...
0: 400 British troops dead. Yeah. Yeah. NATO was there for us in 2001. Um, Obviously, there's concern in Poland and elsewhere where they're saying, what kind of a president will he be this time around? And it's different. When he said that in 2016, and he was right when he said it then... You didn't have Russian troops in Ukraine. Right. You didn't right. have right. Russia being on an adventure aggressive. and mm-hmm. aggressive. Uh, so if you say it, you say it privately. You don't say it out loud, and you don't say it to make yourself look bigger. And you don't say, "I would encourage them." Right? You're going to sick. You're going sic to uh, them on them. <laughs> Jens Stoltenberg, <laughs> you know? who is the the head of the NATO alliance, said, "Any suggestion that allies will not defend each other undermines all of our security." including that of the U.S., and puts American and European soldiers at increased risk. He's not wrong. No, No. You don't coddle your enemy. That's what Trump appeared to do over the weekend in what was a lie from jump. Um, some concern this morning about Secretary Austin, yeah, uh the uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is uh, hospitalized
2: once again this time to address a bladder issue stemming from his ongoing recovery from prostate cancer. The Pentagon announcing yesterday that Austin diagnosed with prostate cancer in December was transported to Walter Reed military uh, Hospital for symptoms suggesting an emergent bladder issue. Despite uh, intending to refrain retain his uh, office duties Austin transferred authorities to Deputy Secretary of Defense Kathleen Hicks medical officials at Walter Reed confirm Austin's admission to the critical care unit for supportive care and monitoring while the duration of his hospital stay remains uncertain doctors remain optimistic about his full recovery a little similar to though to the king right isn't it and you
0: know I, I just and i'm i'm happy
2: to
1: not hear that this is
0: no, charles no, right yeah. <laughs> not, not elvis presley I am happy to hear that this in no way sets back his long-term prognosis on his cancer but he's in critical care. Yeah. So, and and that's 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 a concern. But um, he
1: did the right thing. He transferred
0: yes, and no, let people know. No question. Yeah. The right people. Um one little thing that that is out there and it was a story that came up last Friday we didn't have a time to time to get to is that uh, 70 of the more than 400 guests that came to the state of the state message uh, were big-time donors. Craig Mauger, nobody digs into campaign finance donations and, and pay-to-play yeah, right. yeah. better than Craig, showing just the, the top five were all people that gave more than $4,800,000, nearly $50,000 uh to Democrats. So, yeah, D- did they buy access? You could certainly say so. And they got it. Mm-hmm. They got what they paid for. When we come back, we're going to be checking in, as we always do on Mondays with our friends at Cranes Detroit Business. There were a couple of ads yesterday that you may not have known have their origins in Michigan. We'll discuss that and much more when we uh, check in with Mike Lee, coming up next on JR Morning at 619 some moving some funny uh the super bowl ads i yeah, maybe it was a b year maybe i i don't know uh, but one of them that stood out um were the jesus he gets us ads mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um they uh, the, especially i think the the foot washing yes one and a lot of them are, are aimed at anti hate you may not know it, but there's a Michigan connection to that. Mike Lee, managing editor of Cranes Detroit Business, that's just one of many stories you'll want to read about within the pages of Cranes this morning. Mike, good morning.
5: Good morning, Guy. How are you?
0: I'm good. So tell us about this group because I, I'm sure there were a lot of folks that uh, didn't realize that that was to some degree Michigan produced.
5: Yeah, this is the second year in a row uh, that that we've seen ads uh, promoting uh, Jesus and Christianity in the Super Bowl with the uh, He Gets Us tagline. Um, Those ads have been the the production of a a group of donors, uh, most prominently and publicly, um, the founder of Hobby Lobby, David Green. Um, But one of the ad agencies involved in in the the creation and and marketing of these is is in fact a Michigan ad agency, Um, outfit called Brand Haven, which uh, is in Grand Haven uh, in West Michigan. Um and this is the second year in a row that they've been in they've been in the game um obviously this is big money being being spent on this uh, the 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 seven million dollar uh, for thirty seconds was the standard this year so um it's 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 real money being spent on it uh the ads the ads this year focused on really sort of uh, love and forgiveness showing uh, people who were who were, might normally be Holding opposing views, washing each other's feet, as, uh, as Jesus is, is, is said to have done in the Bible. Um, it, it's, it's an interesting thing. The, the, the tone is very different than most of the commercials surrounding them, which are packed with celebrities and thousands of things going on at once in the, in the commercials. So, I, I mean, to me, they, to me, those ads really stood out um, amid the, 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 the very loud ads that were <laughs> that were surrounding them. And and I, I thought to myself, what if he asked me what grade I give the commercials overall and I'm on exactly the same page as you, I give them a beat. I, I didn't think there were any that really, really jumped out as uh, as memorable. I, uh, yeah, there's I, that I one really, that you would yeah. say,
0: hey, to your friends this morning <laughs> at the water cooler, did right. you see
5: this one? Yeah. You got to see that. Let's call it yeah. YouTube and look at it. Yeah, I wouldn't say there were any of those. I enjoyed the Arnold Schwarzenegger ad, but I'm kind of a, a unapologetic Arnold fan. Uh, well, that's around.
0: because you're a good neighbor.
5: <laughs> <laughs> that
2: was pretty good. Uh,
0: that was God. nice.
6: Yeah.
2: <laughs> hey, Mike, uh, it, you know, it's kind of like a catch-22 when you have this ongoing labor shortage and this push for robots and, and automation, but you need labor to, <laughs> to build and install them, though.
5: Exactly. We talked to the, the, the big auto suppliers and the companies that make the robots that automate their, uh, their production. Uh, the Wages have gone way up. Obviously, the UAW contract last fall put more pressure on that. And uh, manufacturing generally has been dealing with a labor shortage for several years. Um, so they've, they've invested a whole lot of money in increasing automation, buying more robots and, and that sort of thing to, to deal with those those twin problems. Uh, the, the issue is the, the robotics companies, say like FANUC Robotics, the uh, global global giant, um, is that the, the, they've got a backlog of orders and they can only fill them so fast because they have labor issues themselves. Um, so so the rollout the you know, there's a there's the the the, the, uh, the manufacturers have bought a bunch of you know, so much of this stuff and uh, and, and can't get it installed as quickly as they would like so uh you know eventually i i mean the the upshot eventually is that that you know that bottleneck in in robot production will 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 end and uh you know it'll eventually you know cost some people some jobs almost certainly um, but for the companies it will mean better efficiencies and uh and and more insulation to the labor shortage
1: uh Mike the governor wants free community college for all. And there's a report that state schools around here are worried that that could take some students away.
5: Yeah, this proposal has the uh, the, the trade association that represents Michigan's public colleges, public universities, four-year universities, um, pushing back somewhat on this on this uh, free community college uh, proposal that the governor has made um they are uh, let's let's be honest trying to protect their revenue streams they're worried it will t- it will hurt their enrollment uh significantly as more people turn to to do the f- first two years of college uh at community colleges um the uh the, whether that whether that lobbying effort uh will change the the contours of the of the plan that Whitmer has is you know remains to be seen but you know, just kind of a, a glimpse into the uh, the money side of higher education.
0: Yeah, the uh, we've we've talked a lot about these new sports. There was an ad yesterday for the, the Super Bowl with the E Trade babies playing pickleball. I got invited to play a new paddle sport, and I I don't even know if it has a name. I think it's called. Is it Zmash or
5: something like that? I, I believe it is pronounced Zmash paddle. And this uh, is out of it,
0: Sweden, but it's a new, and, and it's a bunch of hockey players that came up with it.
5: Yeah, so, some some famous names from the from the Detroit Red, Red Wings past have, have opened a, a center for this 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 paddle paddle P A D E L. It is spelled um, is the name of the sport. It's in Sterling Heights. Uh, the Red Wings are Henrik Zetterberg, Nicholas Cronwell, Gustav Nyquist, um, all Swedish. Um, and this is a sport that is apparently very popular in their home country. Um, you know, it, it, I would, having watched videos, I have not played it, having watched videos of it, it reminds me a little bit of racquetball because it's in an enclosed space. The ball can bounce off the back wall under certain circumstances that I'm not sure I understand. Um, it's scored, they say it's scored like tennis, so it, it's at least accessible that way. People people can, to help people understand it. Um, you know, whether this becomes the next craze or whether we've reached you know peak pickleball i, I, I don't know um, but uh, it's in, it's a it's it's kind of a cool new thing with some uh, some some famous names attached to it
6: yeah a, a
5: buddy
0: of mine for the detroit news invited me to play it i'm kind of nursing a bad foot right now and i'm i'm am t- so curious about it that i'm about to throw caution to the wind and and play it because yeah it's like it's a little like paddle tennis uh love paddle platform so yeah. perhaps i would like this yeah, I, I think it, look anything that gets me off the couch
5: in February is a good thing.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah uh, absolutely.
5: Uh, my knees are saying stick to ping pong, <laughs> but yeah,
0: it 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 could be uh it, it could be an interesting uh, change though. So and and comes some fun guys that are promoting it. Mike, they're
2: mm-hmm. they're also looking at some uh, bringing back those tax credits. Uh, what's the latest on that for the films, film tax
6: credits?
5: Yeah, we it, it's another year, another another effort to bring back tax credits for making movies in Michigan. You recall that uh, under under uh, Jennifer Granholm, the state created a very 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 generous program to uh, to give tax breaks to filmmakers, worth some big name productions like Transformers, Superman versus Batman. Uh, Many others. uh, Those tax credits were eliminated because they were such a big giveaway uh, under Governor Snyder. There is another new bills have been introduced in Lansing to bring back some form of tax credits. Fact is that most states have them. Um, is to bring back some more, some more of the that that film industry.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, you know, it may have some more legs than it's had. It seems like every year, some new bill to to do this gets introduced. Uh, the, but this has actually had committee hearings in Lansing. Obviously, the Democrats have virtual control, and after the uh, special elections, we'll have have the majorities again. Um, so the, the, there there could be there could be actually something okay. to this this time.
0: Yeah, and it seems that they're taking a much more responsible approach to making sure the taxpayers aren't left holding an empty sack. Mike, thanks so much. Have a great week at Cranes. This morning, Ipsos ABC News has released a new poll that shows an overwhelming, and when I say overwhelming, I'm talking 86% of Americans telling this poll that Joe Biden is too old to serve another term. This comes on the heels of that devastating report from the special counsel where he basically called the president of the united states a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory explaining that he was doing this uh saying this because he had to explain why he wasn't charging him well the democrats have gone crazy they think this is a double standard that her was politicized the vice president called his remarks gratuitous well within the halls of justice are they We bring in our good friend Matthew Schneider, leader of investigations and white-collar defense practice at Honigman Law, also our former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan. Matthew, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me back. When you saw those comments in Robert Hur's reports, did you view them as a political statement meant to embarrass the president, or did you look at them as justifiable remarks to buttress why he wasn't charged?
7: I didn't view them as political at all because I know Rob Herr. I know his team. I know the work that he did. And I also know that federal law requires the special counsel to turn over a report to the attorney general. And he couldn't just turn over a one line report that says we're deciding not to bring charges. He had to give a fulsome explanation of why, and part of this had to do with what this would look like in front of a jury, what the witnesses would think of a defendant being President Biden. And it was completely justified from my perspective to explain this, turn it over to the attorney general, and then it's up to Attorney General Garland if he wants to return, uh, turn this over to the public or not. So I didn't, I didn't see it as gratuitous at all.
2: Uh, Matthew, you know Senator Tom Cotton, he pointed out uh, concerns about President Biden's memory uh, are not new. But since they were put in this report and it's on paper, does it hold more meaning to the the broader um, uh, folks who would vote for him?
7: It could. It could have more reverberations. If anything, it just reminds people of of this more and more. And now it's a, an official government document. I mean, we've seen Joe Biden fall down the stairs or have some memory issues in the past and in fact we've seen Gerald Ford or Ronald Reagan we've seen all presidents do that but rarely do we ever actually have a special counsel's report where that issue is brought up and it relates to whether or not he should face criminal charges so that is unique and that uniqueness should bring it in front of the American people with a little more heightened scrutiny.
1: Um, Matthew, some people are likening this to Jim Comey, sort of when he came out, uh, when Hillary Clinton was running and how he sort of inserted himself and and how prosecutors aren't supposed to be part of the political game, kind of. What do you think of that?
7: Uh, If Rob Hur had done a press conference, I would completely agree with that. What Comey's duty was was to prepare a report, turn it over to the attorney general, and then it's up to the attorney general to release it. Comey did a press conference and announced these things that was in violation of Justice Department policy. What her did is not anything like that. He turned over his report, and in fact, her has not spoken to the media as far as I know. He hasn't done anything remotely like that. It's to the American people who want to FOIA these reports. they're, They're the ones who have the ability to get it. That has nothing to do with Rob Herr.
0: For Republicans that want to perhaps complain about the politicization of the Justice Department, it should be pointed out that Merrick Garland could have kept this report confidential. Um, he had promised that he wouldn't, but when it hit his door and you saw this embarrassing take, um, he could have kept it under wraps. But the one thing that that they are raising is what appears to be, and certainly Trump has uh, complained about this, is a judicial double standard. He was charged. Biden wasn't do you think that those are comparable given the obstruction complaint that's against the former president?
7: I don't. And anyone who thinks that, although that's an understandable political position and you can, you can see why people would take that view. And what I would advise them is actually read this report. It's over 330 pages, read it, and then you'll understand the nuances in it. Why Uh, trump is being charged and biden's not being charged it explains it in here well biden cooperated he didn't obstruct justice he didn't tell any witnesses to lie he didn't tamper with witnesses and for that reason neither did mike pence and mike pence isn't being charged either so you have pence and biden in very similar or similar situations trump has what's called aggravating factors to the Justice Department, mm-hmm. and that's what makes that different for him. Well, and in
0: addition to read, reading the, her report, read the Trump Mar-a-Lago indictment because it, yeah. it lays out that that uh, through sworn testimony, we should point out and affidavits that that he asked people to move boxes and to hide things. And Matthew, the the president's cooperation
2: led to him not being charged, but did his the memory situation is was that part of it as well?
7: Yes, it it was, and that was referenced in the, in the report. They interviewed Biden. The special counsel interviewed Biden for this and spoke with him for five hours. And, you know, if you look at that report with that in context, the good news is is Biden's not being charged. That's good news for Biden. The bad news is pretty much everything else in this report, and it talks about how bad his memory is, some of the significant things he couldn't remember. It also talks about that, He's been in government for his entire career. He's been in government for 50 years, and he's handled classified uh, documents thousands of times. He knows exactly how to protect them, and he didn't do that, and he also understands how how to handle them. And so those types of things are kind of more inflammatory as well if you get in deep to the report and you realize that this is a person who's been in the trenches, but yet still isn't really um, following uh, the obligations of the classified documents law. That's also unhelpful for well, Biden.
0: And he had no memory problem in 2017, and they have recordings of this, when he was talking to his ghostwriter and says, yeah, the classified stuff is in the garage. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty damning. He acknowledges it's classified, and if you know it's classified, then you know you ought not to have it.
7: And they also reached back into his time in public service and he said and the report said that Biden used to leave classified documents out all the time historically. And that's also not helpful because when the voters are picking a president, they want somebody who's responsible and they might view that as irresponsible.
1: Mm -hmm. Just quickly switching gears to the Supreme Court oral arguments from last week. Do you feel with their questioning that the justices are all on the same page?
7: It seems that way to me. I've always thought that they would never reach the ultimate issue about whether there was an insurrection, but yet they would reach lower issues about is this an appropriate case for the federal government to be Going to the Supreme Court and reversing a a decision of a state, how can a state actually do this? What was interesting to me is not the conservatives on the court, it's even the liberals on the court were questioning these positions and siding with the Trump side. So, it doesn't appear to be. Uh, if it's going to be a split court, it looks like it looks like it could be more of seven to two or something like that. It really, if you if you base it on the oral arguments, it looks like it's leaning in Trump's favor.
0: All right, uh, we will await. They kind of have a short lead on that because Super Tuesday is March fifth, not that many days away. Matthew, thank you so much. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. All right, take care. We should point out that uh, Ipsos poll. Interesting uh 86% of americans overall thinking that uh, biden is too old 91% of independents the tipping point voters mm-hmm. say he's too old but it should also be noted that a majority think that trump is too old too uh somewhere in the neighborhood of 62% saying that they believe that donald trump is too old to serve and again a majority of independents so many voters saying none the above. When we come back, it's been a year since the tragic events at Michigan State University cost the lives of three students. How is the university doing on the new security upgrades and protocols? We'll get an update on that when we return at 6:49. Our next guest has been
2: closely following developments at Michigan State University where efforts to enhance campus safety have come under scrutiny. Despite the tragic events of a year ago where three students lost their lives and several others were injured in the campus shooting, The recent reports reveal concerning gaps in preparedness while online training aimed at addressing active shooter situations is available to MSU students and faculty and staff. Uptake remains low. And furthermore, critical security upgrades, including like the installation of new locks on classroom doors, they're incomplete. Well, joining us to delve into the details of these ongoing safety concerns and their implications for the MSU community is Dave Boucher. who is was government and politics reporter for the Detroit Free Press. Dave, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. What type of feedback have you heard so far because of these, uh, you know, issues with the installation of the locks and the uptake and, you know, the uh, online training?
8: Yeah, it's been a little bit of a mixed uh, approach. I, I will say that we've heard from people who are parents of students who are legitimately concerned that their students might not, you know, might face another crisis situation and and either they themselves or the adults in the room might not know what to do and i've heard feedback from others who said you know this isn't required and students are you know asked to do hundreds or at least it seems like hundreds of things when you're at a school and to expect them to do something like that might you know be be over the top or it might be triggering for, for some people in the community i i do think it's really important to note that as you noted there is active shooter training that is available to students and while it's not required the university police force has said that it's leaning on students and staff who have taken this training to lead during a crisis. So as we noted, if only 3% of students have taken this training and 14% of faculty and staff have taken this training, it could lead to a situation if heaven forbid something were to happen, where people in that room still don't know what to do, despite the tragedy that happened in Michigan state last year. That's just shocking. Yeah.
1: Yeah. With this available uh just 3300 people have taken this online course and you know how big michigan state is
0: yeah you are yeah. your own best defense yeah. uh and if you're not fully informed then you're right you're you're a, a, you become a more uh a bigger target
1: yeah um and what about the door locks the university said they were going to make some changes immediately where are we with those
8: Yeah, so this is the context for that is really important. Students and faculty found out during the the crisis last year that many of the the classrooms that they were in had doors that didn't easily lock. So you couldn't lock it easily from the inside. So we heard stories of students using belts and shoelaces and other contraptions to kind of MacGyver these doors closed. So in the meantime, Michigan State has replaced hundreds of these doors, uh, door locks, roughly 650 around campus with locks that are push button, like some push button locks where somebody from the inside can push it.  … Um, and, and lock it. the The issue here is that at the time of the attack, about a, a month after uh, interim president Teresa Woodruff said that the school was planning to replace uh, locks on roughly 1,400 doors, and they have since revised that down substantially because they argue that some of those doors that they originally identified are either in non-traditional classrooms that aren't used very often, or in study rooms, or or otherwise aren't uh, as high of a priority on this list and that it just takes time to replace these locks. So, again, there are new locks, those push-button locks, and then in in auditoriums, those big lecture halls, university professors have the capacity to push a button from the the front of the room and lock those doors remotely. So they have done some of these upgrades. It's just not quite what they had promised to do after the attack.
0: David, one of the things that was most troubling in the aftermath was that that, that there was this delay between the initial calls to 911 and the tripping of the campus-wide alert system. Uh, How how have they done at addressing that gap and the fact that there was really only one person on duty and then that person and and a number of others left their posts uh, to engage the suspect and to try to uh, help the wounded?
8: Yeah, as you noted, and as many other people reported, there was kind of a, a roughly 10 minutes between the time that 9 one calls started coming in and when the alerts started going out on campus. The university said that that was due to a kind of a, a string of errors, and they said that they've addressed that. Some of those were administrative errors. Part of the issue is that the university did not at the time have the capacity to monitor its security cameras in real time, so it couldn't monitor everything all at once and so it has been upgrading the system that it uses to look at those cameras and adding more cameras around campus. Today they say that they have more more of those cameras on campus and that they can look at them in real time, but it didn't they didn't exactly tell me whether or not they have the full system that they want implemented. And that system goes beyond being able to, to not only view those those cam I'm sorry, view everything in real time, it can help send out some of those alerts you're talking about, not just mm-hmm. via text or via um via calls, but they're setting up a system now where they can set up uh, alerts that go off potentially from like, they call them green lights in Michigan State's campus. It's those uh, lights, like uh, lit phone boxes that universities set up to, to help out. And they're exploring the idea of doing the same thing from like fire alarm, fire alarm systems or from, from uh, like weather alert systems. But they also have the capacity in theory to from a centralized command center, push a button and lock the exterior doors for buildings on campus. They, they – this is not – and this is not new technology. This has existed in the, in the scope of higher education for a long time. Uh, they told me recently that they have the capacity to do that, and it works for, for buildings that are connected to this electronic locking system, but they didn't tell me how many buildings are connected to to the system. So it could be most of them, and they could have made this upgrade, or there might still be you know, a need to, to upgrade additional buildings.
2: Uh, and, and Dave, have you, you know, during your coverage, have you encountered any type of discussion on the or debates when it comes to the impact of these of active shooter drills on the participants, the students who have gone through all of this traumatic
8: uh, experience already? Sure. So I, I did speak uh, a couple times um, recently into the fall. With the student body president at Michigan State University, just to pick her brain to see what she's hearing. And she was on campus the night of the attack, and, <clears throat> you know, like, like many of us, is, is still kind of thinking through what happened and kind of trying not to relive what happened. So she said she understands some students who don't want to be re traumatized by, by, uh, by anything that can, can happen in training. However, she said that she at least wants the option to be able to have that training. And that option, that online training that you were talking about, wasn't available until December. of of this, uh, of last year. Obviously, we all know December is a chaotic time for students. That's a time, especially in college, when you're getting ready for not only to take uh, your uh, exams, potentially for the fall, but also to to travel or uh, get ready for holidays, any of that. So it it became available at that time. And then there's a, a video component, which is something that I think people thought could be the most triggering aspect that still isn't available. So the university has said that they have filmed it, but they haven't actually finished editing it. So broadly speaking, people thought that there could be concerns with kind of reliving this trauma, Mm. but the students, some, many students and faculty especially, want there to at least be the option to have this training so that they know what to do if something happens.
1: Uh, Just about a minute left. It's not really a question, but tomorrow is the anniversary. They're not going to have classes. They're going to have all kinds of activities. There's going to be a vigil. For the three lives that were lost, Brian Frazier, Arielle Anderson, Alex Verner, the five who were injured also, and everyone who was affected. So it's a big day tomorrow at Michigan State University.
8: Yeah, that's right. The university told me this week they're focused on the health and wellness of students more than trying to, you know, mandate training this week, which I think we can all understand.
0: Yeah. In the meantime, for parents out there, tell your child to take this training
8: Absolutely. because it can
0: be the it, it is a life and death matter. Yeah, it, it is difference. Dave
2: Boucher, government and politics reporter for the Detroit Free Press. Thank you so much for being here on JR Morning. Thank you. Coming up, all the news of the day. We'll have that for you. And stick around. At 719, we'll be talking about those Super Bowl commercials here on 760 WJR.
0: Were they that super? (laughs) Not as super as they could be. Good morning. Welcome to a back to work Monday after what we know is a difficult one. If you're feeling a little bleary eyed, uh, we feel your pain, but we appreciate the fact you're getting up and going to work. Yes, Uh, because what? Sixty one million Americans won't be. They've got the Super Bowl flu today. Uh, (laughs) Well, and
1: it went to overtime. So it even took a little bit longer. Mm -hmm.
0: That's it's it is true. And did you guys notice? Maybe it was just me. It seemed like CBS was going out of their way to avoid Taylor Swift I'm through you, the better part of the first half. I didn't see her much.
1: Well, according to USA Today, she was on TV for 55 seconds, which I think well, is about mean, her average. Yeah, from start, game, to start to finish. That doesn't count the post game celebration.
0: But it was as if they were saying, "Look, we heard you. It's about. It's, it's not about celebrity sightings." And I was actually surprised that they didn't give us more of them. Paul McCartney was there, mm-hmm. and I, I think actually made a trip to the Kelsey Booth. Okay. Um, I mean, there was some. They showed Vegas that were Beyonce, Beyonce and Jay Z. Deion right. Sanders was there.
1: They That's showed right. Wayne Newton. Yeah, they showed a bunch of people that were there. Wayne
0: Wayne is like just... Gwen
1: Stefani and Blake Lively. Yes. Um, he's still at Blake. the
0: flamingo. <laughs> w- when I was there for CES, it was like seriously. Oh, he's still
1: playing he's in still,
0: Vegas. He's still playing Vegas. Wow, Daddy, don't you walk so fast. <laughs> uh. Yeah, he's he's still around That's and doing longevity. His thing. That is, yeah, got to give him, got to give him credit because he was Mister Vegas for so many years. Uh, meantime, the final verdict on the Super Bowl, I guess, you know, uh, probably eighty percent, and in the last twenty percent, okay, yeah. yeah, That was exciting, but you had to be patient.
1: Yeah, it wasn't great in the first half. It ended very in an exciting way, it I did. thought. And now you start to talk about a dynasty in Kansas City. And this Patrick Mahomes guy is unbelievable. In overtime, 8 for 8, 42 yards, ran for 8 yards on a 4th and 1, and 19 yards on a 3rd and 1, setting everything up for the game-winning touchdown. He is unbelievable. He's amazing. He's only 28 years old. Well,
0: that's what I was going to ask. I mean, this is how many MVP awards for him? Three. Three. Right?
1: Yeah. He's the fourth starting quarterback to win three Super Bowls. He joins Brady. Joe Mantana, Terry Bradshaw, and Troy Aikman, and the second youngest.
0: Yeah, because he is on the verge of being in in the GOAT conversation, isn't he's,
1: he? He's on Brady pace. Yeah. At the very least. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I love the, ver- the, the style of football that he plays. There's a backyard ad-lib uh, kind of a thing yeah. to yeah. it that is just so exciting. And his instincts on when to run and where are pretty hard to fault. Yeah, and his eyes are very good.
1: And he praises Andy Reid for just letting him be. He doesn't put him in a box. He just says, go be you, and it's working. Is mm-hmm. Andy
0: going to the chiropractor
1: today? <laughs> After that little love tap? <laughs> a little love tap from Kelsey? Travis
0: Kelsey. Uh,
1: I'm going to ask Lomas about this. Lomas Brown's going to be on at 749. I don't have a problem with it. You get so hyped at during games. He didn't mean to bump him. That was the accident. But you're allowed to have conversations if you're that close with your coach, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean it was after a major gaffe by Pacheco that could have been avoided had he had better blocking, or that's at least what Kelsey Correct. thought.
1: So let's ask Lomas if he thinks that's an acceptable and it, and coach-player conversation. They talked
2: to him before the Super Bowl, Andy Reid, and I think I, the reporter asked him, you know, is he done after this? He said, "Listen, I still, I still feel good. I still feel good. I don't know why, why would I be done?"
0: And there's <laughs> nothing old, tired, or. Um, Stayed about his strategies. No. Right?
6: Mm -mm.
1: No. And he clearly has the love of, you know, the opposite is losing the locker room. He's got that locker room. So he says he's coming back. Travis Kelsey said he's coming back. They want to run it back and try and win three.
0: It's, it is, the age is just a number, it's how you approach it and how fresh you are in that job. Mm -hmm. Which, of course, is a major conversation this morning. On the heels of uh, President Biden and the Robert Hur Report that came out last week, the first poll since the release of that uh, report, 62 percent of Americans think Donald Trump is too old to serve as president. Eighty six percent think Joe Biden is too old to serve another term. Uh, and and that includes, uh, you know, a significant number. Of of Democrats, seventy three percent of Democrats think Biden is too old to serve, and uh, and then you've got ninety one percent of Independents. That's big. How at what point did Democrats say, folks, we we Joe Mister Mister Biden, we love you, but it's time for us to cut our losses mm-hmm. here, and unless you want to see Donald Trump as president, you need to step aside for someone else, and that's someone else. Who is someone else? could very well be the governor of Michigan along with the governor of California. Those are the two most frequently mentioned names. And I know a lot of folks have a lot of things uh, regarding that. Uh, And we'll see what. uh,
1: Perhaps Andy Reid should run.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He said he feels good. I think he would have the state of Kansas and Missouri locked up. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you?
1: By the way, Lions odds to win next year, 7-1, to third best.
0: We'll take those. I'll take it. We'll take those. We haven't, and we, by the way, we haven't seen what the Nielsen numbers are yet. Whether it set a record uh, yesterday, I think there was a lot of anticipation with the whole Taylor Swift thing. That a lot of uh, viewers that might not normally be watching the Super Bowl were watching. Mm-hmm. We'll see if that comes true or not. That was a horrific scene, uh, guy unfolding
2: at the uh, celebrity pastor Joel Osteen's megachurch in oh. Texas. A woman clad in a trench coat opened fire with a long gun, injuring a five-year-old boy and a 57-year-old man, two off-duty officers. Bravely confronted her, resulting in her death. Houston police chief Troy Fenner indicated that he didn't know whether the officer's bullets hit the child. Amidst chaos, worshippers fled the premises. The child remains critically wounded. While the man's condition is stable, he was hit in the leg. Chief Fenner emphasized the potential for graver consequences if not for the officer's intervention. And Osteen, very visibly shaken, expressed devastation and solidarity with the victims.
8: These men-
9: did an amazing job and it's just you you said it chief it could have been a lot worse of course we're devastated i mean this we've been here 65 years and have somebody shooting in your church but you know we don't understand why these things happen but we know god's in control and we'll pray for that little five-year-old boy and pray for the lady that was deceased
2: governor greg abbott extending sympathies acknowledging the sanctity of places of worship She brought that five-year-old. She brought the five-year-old. Yeah, I don't know if that was her five-year-old or what they haven't said yet, but yeah, but she brought the five-year-old. Put him in
0: harm's way. Yeah. Mm. And you wonder, was this going to be a suicide by cop for both of them that she had in mind, or or what exactly was was going on? I'm sure we'll find out more Uh, today. Pastor Osteen saying, there is evil in the world, Mm -hmm. and we need to confront it. As God-fearing people, and he's it, it's it's I, I'm so happy that it wasn't worse, but it was bad enough. Yes, horrible. Those off-duty officers saved a lot yeah, of lives. Yeah, God
1: bless them for yes. coming up. Yeah, big.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, very quickly, uh, President Trump making more news. It was like he was saying, you know, I don't want the Super Bowl to have all the attention. I'm gonna, I'm going to work overtime <laughs> to bring as much of the spotlight onto myself. But took on Nikki Haley. She's been making personal attacks against him, and he fired back, but raising an issue that everybody knows the answer to, which is uh, Michael Haley, her husband. Why
4: isn't he on the campaign trail? Where's her husband? Oh, he's away. He's away. What happened to her husband? What happened to her husband? Where is he? He's gone.
0: Well, of course, he knows he's not gone. Right. He's been deployed. He is serving this nation admirably. Uh, Nikki Haley uh, went online saying, yes, he's serving his country, Mr. President, something you wouldn't know anything about. Um, And she said this yesterday on Meet the Press.
10: It's insulting to military members. It's insulting to military families. And the part that bothers me is he continues to do this. This isn't personal about me and Michael. This is about what it says to every member who sacrifices for us. This is about what it says to every military family who sacrifices alongside of them.
2: It wasn't the first time he's done this. He's done this with Gold Star Families, families to and, uh, John McCain. McCain, and she worked for him. So, I mean, she didn't bring it up during that time.
0: Well, and we have uh, his former chief of staff, uh, General Kelly's, uh, comments that uh, when they were visiting e- graves in Europe, he referred to oh, the nice. fallen as as suckers, mm-hmm. also did not want disabled veterans in military parades that he was participating in. Um, Just the latest insult. I don't know that it insults all military families, but I know that if you haven't served, you better be damn sensitive about what you say Mm -hmm. about others and revere them. And uh, it's just it it gives comfort to so many enemies when you do that. Time for WJR's Business Beat, brought to you by shelving.com. We rack your world. Here's Jeff Sloan, founder and CEO of Startup Nation, to spotlight the entrepreneurial tech and startup community here on WJR. Good morning, Jeff.
9: Good morning, Guy, Lloyd, Jamie. Remember when it was predicted that brick-and-mortar retail is all but dead? How can the idea of selling out of a local store beat the efficiency and convenience of buying online, right? Well, as it turns out, the doomsday predictions for brick-and-mortar retail's death were wrong. Of course, during the pandemic, we were all forced to go online to do much of our shopping. But post-pandemic, people have returned to shopping in stores significantly. Commercial real estate is not only back, but back for good. In fact, it's so good that finding and securing a good retail space is getting harder than ever with a vacancy rate for shopping centers nationwide at a 15-year low. The trend today is much less about either-or, that is, online versus brick-and-mortar, and and more about an omni-channel approach that includes both online and -and brick-and-mortar working in harmony to make each of these retail channels stronger as a result of the other for example you might see something in a store and then go home and buy it online or you might see something online and want to purchase it after seeing it and or say trying it on and of course that can only happen in a brick and mortar store so for now anyway brick and mortar remains a central part of retail and looks to remain that way even the biggest e-commerce sites amazon warby parker for example are pursuing brick-and-mortar compliments to their online channels. Just think of Amazon's acquisition of Whole Foods by way of example. For me, I find this really encouraging news for local, independently-owned retailers. Just be sure to pursue an omni-channel approach for your store to make sure that that sale happens wherever your target customers want to make it. I'm Jeff Sloan, founder and CEO of StartupNation.com, the source for everything you need to start and grow your own business and that's today's business beat on the great voice of the great lakes wjr
1: thank you agent state farm
9: like a good neighbor
11: state farm is there
4: cut hey arnold i'm hearing neighbor it's neighbor
11: that's what i said neighbor
0: yeah it's a problem uh (laughs) it was one of the funnier ads last night in the super bowl where where arnold struggles to get past that great austrian accent and Needs Dan a little help from Danny DeVito, his twins co-star. At the end, it was one of one of those that uh, tried to tickle our funny bone. Yeah, it was pretty good, but all in all, uh, how was the the parade of uh, of creativity that we saw from Madison Avenue? We turn to a guy who has been charting the ebb and flow of these Super Bowl ads for the better part of two decades. He is professor of practice emeritus in the Department of Advertising and Public Relations at Michigan State University, where they are charting these things in real time. Robert Colt joining us this morning on JR Morning. Bob, good morning.
10: Good morning. It was a great game for ads. Overall, the ads scored higher than they had In other games, the game started pretty slow and then got fun at the end.
0: Well, you know, it was funny because I think as Lions fans, we had to get past our our sulky attitude to begin with, and maybe that's why we were a little maybe tougher (laughs) on judging the ads. You you folks obviously are more objective than we are, so you thought it was a pretty good year.
10: Yeah, and we put some science really into judging them. We look for uh, creativity, production, brand strategy, um, really, they ha- these are the best ads in the industry every year. And, you know, we just love that Uber Eats ad with Jennifer Aniston and David Schwimmer. We thought that was the best ad of the game. The E-Trade, Bob and Buddy uh, were playing <laughs> pickleball. We love that. Um, Duncan with uh, Ben and Jen, Volkswagen. That was my and favorite. Then- yeah. Yeah, and then and then you've got the State Farm Arnold ad. Our, that was in the top five. It was just, you know, it was just funny. It was cute, and on Super Bowl night, when we see ads, we just want to laugh.
0: Well, let's have a little taste of that, pardon the expression, Uber Eats ad with the return of Ross and Rachel. Thank
1: you. I didn't know you could get all this stuff on Uber Eats. Yeah. I remember that. Well, you know what they say, in order to remember something, you've got to forget something else. Make a little room. Bit... Jen! Hey! <laughs> Oh, Oh. um, okay. Have we met? Give me a hint. Worked together for 10 years?
4: 10 years? Yeah.
1: You were great. You still don't know, do you? I don't. Right. Like I forget 10 years of my life. I hate this town.
0: Yeah, nostalgia, did you guys sense that, that nostalgia was a a common thread here?
2: A lot of that going on, nostalgia in in there. And I I wanted to ask you about um, the fact that a lot of the commercials, it seemed like more commercials, I'm not going to say a lot, but more commercials were geared toward females because they expect a lot of females were going to be watching last night.
10: Well, and women have the eighty percent of the buying power in families. So if they come to the game to watch, you got to make sure you target that audience. I got to tell you, there was just uh, the BMW Christopher Walken ad of people doing impressions of Christopher Walken to his face was hysterical, and we love the Hellman's mayonnaise ad with Kate McKinnon and her cat talking. <laughs> that was a good yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> um.
1: What do you think of the Dunkings commercial? You said you put it, I think, third on your list. I thought it was hilarious, them coming in with those tracksuits, which I think you can buy.
10: Well, great branding, right? I mean, you know, you know who the, the advertiser is. And you, you put a lot of celebrities in one ad, and they have just a little part. You give them a humorous line. It was funny. You know, they make fun of themselves, and those sometimes are the best ads.
0: Whether it's the Uber Eats with Schwimmer and uh, Jennifer Aniston or whether it's bringing back the Clydesdales, there did seem to be a lot of cultural touchstones and nostalgia there. What does that say about where we are as a nation or does it say anything at all? We just love to revisit.
10: Well, the Super Bowl is a great mirror and reflection of social culture and what's going on. And really, it it's just giving us a reflection of who we are and what we want to see. And we do believe that it's really targeted for an American audience, and it is. We'll have over 100 million. But, you know, there's a big audience in Canada. More people watch the Super Bowl in Canada than watch their own Grey Cup. And then there are folks expats uh, all around the world in pubs and bars and, and military folks and bases. They're all tuned in at weird times to watch the Super Bowl just because it's such an American tradition.
1: But people thought that perhaps it was sort of geared toward millennials because there was Usher, uh, Alicia Keys, then you have Jennifer Aniston, you know, Ross and Rachel, you have um, Jenny on the Block. Like all these things that were big in the, like, 2000s were highlighted.
0: Ben, we had this discussion.
1: We talked about this. (laughs)
10: You know, that's OK. I mean, there's an there's an older demographic with a great buying power. But, you know, I think young people got the stuff they wanted in a lot of different ways um, with some of the animation and the ads. Uh, you know, again, I would I would say Timo was about the worst ad <laughs> series. Of and they that were thing. everywhere.
2: Yeah, they were mm-hmm. too much. Oh, what did you think about the halftime show with Usher?
10: All right, so I never rate the halftime show, but he got away with showing his nipples on TV, and you would have never seen that from Janet Jackson, would you? (laughs) (laughs) No.
1: (laughs) Not since Janet Jackson have we had a nip slip. That's right.
10: (laughs) It it was good, and, you know, that's why the halftime show, you you get a lot of – young teenage girls watching why they want to see taylor swift shots right in the game they, they want to see the halftime show so it's really a diverse audience we always think oh man it's men who are watching that game boy you know if you can expand the audience into the women's demographic which i think they did in a lot of the spots you've just got a much bigger buying audience
0: how long does it take for these companies to know whether or not their investment has paid dividends <laughs> or do they care? Is it all about just saying, hey, we're we're going to make a splash because?
10: Well, they have the money, the ones who are in the game, and they always make a, spa- a splash. If they have a bad ad, it might not be exactly what they want. But just a quick example, Chrysler, Stellanis had the M&M ad featuring Detroit years ago, right. m M&M m driving around the city and then ending up at the Fox Theater. And it was a beautiful, wonderful ad, and the Italian CEO of, um, of Chrysler said, boy, if, if we would have known the Super Bowl would produce four hundred million dollars in extra unanticipated revenue, we would have featured a better car. They featured the Chrysler two hundred. Is- <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I gotta say, the one ad that really touched me was a little skater ad, the figure skater. Yep. And it was a Kia EV ad, so that they, they drove her to a rank next to Grandpa's house so that he could see her. And and those ads still work. Robert, we thank you so much for charting these things and for our friends at Michigan State.
4: Thank you guys.
2: Recent events have ignited a widespread concern, particularly regarding the former President Trump's remarks toward a potential Russian attack on NATO nations. These comments have sparked intense debate. Drawing condemnation from various quarters including leading western officials and the white house also there's the news of defense secretary lloyd austin's hospitalization for urgent medical attention raising questions about the state of leadership within the pentagon on the jr morning live line to help us kind of explore these critical issues is rocky rotzkowski retired lieutenant colonel for the u.s army rocky welcome back to jr morning hey good morning lloyd it was uh great to be on with you. Um, how do you view the former president's recent remarks regarding uh, this potential Russian aggression towards NATO countries? I know they need to pay. I I think most would agree that they need to pay, but to say basically you're going to sick Putin on them if they don't, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of those actual comments, but uh, one of the things that people may not realize is that when President Trump was the president of the United States, there were 28 NATO nations. Now there are 31 with the additions of Finland and Sweden and so forth, uh, a few others. And what what NATO has is a requirement that each one of the countries submits in, in their budget at least 2% of their GDP, of their national GDP, their individual national GDP, to national defense. And that national defense would be in to purchase and to work with NATO communications devices, NATO weaponry, and so forth. A lot of that weaponry is U.S.-based uh, or and made. A lot of it is also British and, and German-made. And a lot of these nations now, when, when President Trump was the president, there was about eight of the nations that met that 2% or higher threshold. Now there are 11 of those countries that are at that 2% threshold or higher, and, and the bookends, are the, the ones that spend the most, are Poland, and Great Britain, but you're you're right, Lloyd, that these countries need to spend a little bit more. But to make a comment that uh, that, that Russia could do whatever they want uh, with with the countries, I think was more of a, a flippant comment. It was not a comment that uh, I think would be allowed for by by the NATO uh, act. And a lot, so that people understand, there's a NATO act, and it's part of Article Five. It's a collective defense. And it's kind of like uh, three musketeers, all for one and all for all for one and one for all clause, that if one gets attacked, we all get attacked and we all defend our NATO allies.
1: Um, What do you think the NATO allies think about these flipping comments?
3: Well, Jamie, obviously we saw what what Poland responded yesterday and and with with what the NATO uh, Secretary General Jan Stoltenberg said yesterday, and uh, they didn't per se specifically address uh, former president trump uh but they did state that uh, we are all in this together and that no matter what uh, election takes place we believe and this was a comment made by most of them that we believe and we stand strongly together unified that uh no matter what anyone says in an election we are we are in this together and we're we're in this pact and uh but let's be honest, it does stable, destabilize uh, the national security of those nations as well as our own national security, well, went... being that uh, one of the facts is also, it, uh, if depending on what happens, the U.S. dollar is still the international trading dollar, the international reserve currency, and that may destabilize our nation if, if nations don't have faith in the U.S. dollar and the U.S. government as a whole.
0: The former president loves to recount things like this that make him look grand and tough, and and. Yeah. But I got to ask you: Do you, do you believe this this story, this narrative that an unnamed NATO leader got up and would ask him this question? Let alone engage in the hypothetical that was posed, or is this a fabrication on the part of a president looking to make a former president and candidate looking to make a point?
3: Well, what guy, I actually did some research after I heard this and believe it or not, in, in 2018, in August 28th of 2018, uh, before a NATO or after a NATO meeting, uh, there was a tweet that the president put out and it was also, by the way, if you recall, the president laid out a idea of buying Greenland from Denmark. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was actually the Danish prime minister and now, uh, Ms. Fredrickson, the Danish prime minister, that the president basically sent out a a tweet about and highlighted how Denmark is below the 2 percent threshold, even though they are one of the wealthiest nations in Europe and should be adding more to the NATO alliance. And basically, in the closed communications, there is a belief that there was a, a kerfuffle, so to speak, with the Danish prime minister.
0: Yeah but so if he had said yeah. I would encourage Russia to do whatever they want don't you think we would have heard about it there would have been is cries that, of that, outrage and that's what makes yeah, me think that, that this was fabricated for for a camp for a rally audience I I would concur with that much uh, and but remember publicly
3: the, he did have a meeting with the German uh prime minister and the German defense ministers Oh he jousted the with them all the time yeah exactly and he said basically how how Russia could eat your lunch economically and and turn off the Nord Stream Two pipeline and so forth. So there, there were a lot of those comments, and they did make public, uh, obviously, the news. So with this not making the news, it may have been a uh, a utterance that uh, an excited utterance on behalf of the former president.
2: Rocky. In the meantime, how do you assess the current state of NATO's uh, readiness to respond to, let's say, a, a potential security threat, especially in light of what's going on with our tensions with Russia?
3: You know, NATO has a ne- great question, Lloyd. NATO has never been stronger, especially with the addition of now uh, three additional countries uh, that were added on. And I got to tell you, the alliance uh, is, is strong. Um, more nations than ever before are paying that 2% or close to that 2% threshold. Um, and again, like I mentioned, the two book bookends mm-hmm. being Great Britain on one side and Poland on the other they are the strongest, uh, they're growing their militaries and the US presence in both of those nations. Uh, I, I, I think that NATO has never been stronger and the alliance has never been stronger and it's gotta be strong because in the future, if we are looking at an axis of evil, including Iran, China, Russia, to include a potential nuclear North Korea, um, we have to make sure that our allied relationships are strong. Let me tell you, when I served overseas, in the in the war on terror Mm. during operation during freedom i served with a lot of our nato allies they were there for us they stood with us we need to stand with them
0: thank you
1: uh rocky with your decorated background i want to ask you a different uh question about a trump comment let's listen to what he said about nikki haley's husband
4: where's her husband oh he's away he's away what happened to her husband what happened to her husband where is he he's gone It's
10: insulting
4: to military members. It's insulting to military families.
10: And the part that bothers me is he continues to do this. This isn't personal about me and Michael. This is about what it says to every member who sacrifices for us. This is about what it says to
1: every military family who sacrifices alongside of them. Sir, you are one who sacrificed. You're part of a family that sacrificed. What do you think of the comments?
3: I was not a fan of the comments, but let me let me just share something with you. I supported the president in 2016 when he ran for office. I supported the president in 2020, and if he becomes the nominee uh, because of positions, uh, other positions, I, I would find myself supporting President Trump again, as I do. Um, but the comments were not helpful, and the sad part about it is, it's basically something that is happening to our country where we have less and less. Members in political office that have ever served or understand what it means to serve. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the comments, and I'm glad you asked, uh, Jamie. But the comments were uncalled for. And again, uh, service when someone serves, you should be grateful for those for that service and, and respect that service, especially if it's uh, if it's someone that uh, is a family member.
0: Do you agree with with uh, Governor Haley that this is insulting, perhaps, to military families who have made that sacrifice?
3: I'm not sure if it was outright insulting. It was insulting towards her, and it was insulting towards her husband. But again, it's it's something that a presidential candidate or a president should not be doing. Uh, the, those that serve serve under the commander in chief, and the president of the United States is the commander in chief of the military, and should respect those that serve underneath him. Rocky, before,
0: before we let you go, I got to ask you. I want you to put on your hat as the former chair of the Oakland County Republican Party. Uh, 86%, oh, no. <laughs> 86% of Americans in a new survey say Biden is too old to serve. 62% say the same about Donald Trump. Specifically on Joe Biden, can you see any way that Democrats can distance themselves? And given the timing, could they mount a different candidate? Yeah,
3: they absolutely can. They, they can mount a different candidate, especially what what happened with uh, Johnson, for example. I think he, he stepped down in, in mid-March. Yep. of of that year. So I I can see them replacing him um in the in the convention even. But again, you look at the energy between the energy level between former President Trump and President Biden. There's no comparison. You look at how how interactive they are. President Biden won't even have a Super Bowl interview when President Trump goes out in front of 30,000 people mm-hmm. and and speaks his mind. So there's a, a completely different approach and and there are 85-year-olds that are very active and very uh, open with and very keen on their mind and, and what they say. And then there are some that are 40-year-olds that can't make uh, 2 plus 2 equal 4. So, again, it's, it's based on the individual. And here I think President Biden is, is
2: somebody that could be potentially replaced. Rocky Roskowski, retired lieutenant colonel for the U.S. Army, always a pleasure having you on JR Morning. Lloyd, Jamie,
3: Guy, God bless you, and and hope to see you tomorrow during Punchkey Day. (laughs) (laughs) All right. In.
2: All right. Yeah, we're always in. Coming up next to 749. The Chiefs beat the 49ers in overtime in Super Bowl 58. We'll get some thoughts from Lomas Brown. As J.R. Morning continues.
1: The Chiefs' 25-22 overtime victory over the 49ers makes Kansas City the first back-to-back champion since the New England Patriots did it nearly 20 years ago. And with a third title in five seasons, it makes the Chiefs the first post-Pats dynasty. Let's bring in Lomas Brown, color analyst for the Detroit Lions Radio Network and host of WJR Sports Wrap at 6 o'clock on weeknights. Good morning, Lomas.
11: Hey, good morning, Jamie. <laughs>
1: I have several questions for you, but the first is the first half was so sort of boring, mistake riddled. I I kept thinking the Lions could have really done some damage. <laughs>
11: oh my goodness, Jamie. I was thinking that the whole game. Even after the game, I was just thinking what the score might have looked like, what we possibly could have did and um if you were a defensive lover, you would have loved that first half of football, but you're right about that. It was just, it was, I, I was doing the same thing, Jamie, just thinking about the Lions, how we should have been there. That should have been us on that, that for the NFC. But I guess we're going to have to wait till next year.
2: Cause I, cause Lo, I, I'm sure uh, Dan Campbell was watching that game yesterday. And not see anything that, uh, from either team that would spook him or spook the lions for next year.
11: No I think what happens is your confidence level has to go up a little bit it really does and you know I said this too Lloyd um I know coach Campbell in the locker room after the game I I bet he was telling those guys that next year everything has to go through Detroit we have such a home field advantage here so I bet he was pumping those guys up, telling them, hey, we got to have the number one seed next year. Everything needs to go through Detroit.
0: Uh, Mahomes walks away with another MVP award, his third. And I got to tell you, for the better part of maybe the, certainly the first half, Brock Purdy seemed to be outplaying Mahomes. It was just that he had guys making an awful lot of dumb mistakes that you know, undid the good things that he did. Trent Williams had back-to-back penalties
11: yeah 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 and you know, um, the thing about it is that i'm I'm gonna take that moniker off of uh because, again, I always thought that and not really a game manager, but i I didn't think he was a guy that can uh make guys really, really better around them And he proved me wrong against us, and he proved me wrong last night on the biggest stage. this guy is a gamer uh regardless of where he was drafted at he's just a guy that slipped through a lot of teams um organization and kind of went unknown but he's a player he's a player he's going to be a good player for a lot of years he's a guy that we're going to have to contend with too so I'm 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 impressed with Brock Purdy I really am
1: okay as a former player I want to ask you this you saw Travis Kelsey sort of bump Andy Reid, and he was hot. Oh, he was goodness. talking to him pretty forcefully. What do you think about that? I've never played, I mean, but I think in the heat of the moment, it you know, it happens. Yeah,
11: Jamie, it happens, but there's certain things that you don't let happen in the heat of the game. One thing is bumping your head coach. Mm-hmm. You know, you may bump, bump the assistant coach, but you don't see too many times where guys come up bumping the head, coach. Okay, so bumping um, prohibited.
6: And, Got it. Yeah,
11: oh, absolutely. It's just like hitting the referee or bumping the referee. You're automatically ejected. And when it happened, I told my wife, uh, Wendy, I told her, I said, you know what? I bet he's going to go up and apologize to coach saying that it was my bad but he didn't really mean that. That wasn't an accidental bump. I don't think so. Andy Reid took it uh, Reed took it that way. But I don't think it was. I think it was, like you said, Kelsey, And he took it out on the nearest or the most authoritative person that he could find. And that was the head coach, Andy Reid. And give the coach credit. He stayed on his he feet. Did. Yeah. <laughs> he did. He didn't go down. Yeah. <laughs> Funny in his press conference, he said that, oh, he almost went down. He said he had to keep his balance because he said he almost went down. So, you know, again, that, it just wasn't a good look, you know, at that point for Travis Kelsey. It just wasn't a good look for him.
2: Yeah, and he said uh, afterwards when he was asked about it that um, he said he would just keep that to himself unless him being miked because he said he was miked on the sideline if they put that out. You know what he said. You know he says, but I'll just tell you, I was just telling him I love him.
6: Uh,
11: yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's a strange way. A few days from Valentine's Day, that's uh. a strange way to show that man that you love him. <laughs> yeah.
0: I I got to ask you as as a as a broadcaster and a player, when you look at the coverage of the game yesterday, there was you know a lot of questions about how much CBS was going to obsess about uh, Taylor Swift and the Kelsey uh, Booth. Uh, did they did they hit the right notes there? It seemed like they they kept it game focused for the better part of the first half before they started to engage in that.
11: They did because I kept my teller count count, so I had only counted, and I might you know I was doing the Super Bowl event, so I might have missed a couple of teller uh, Swift shots, but I only counted five times them showing her during the game. I mean, it might have been more. But I only counted five times, so I thought that was reasonable, you know, once a quarter, you know, and everything. But I thought it was reasonable. I didn't think they overdid it. Um, I think they gave the Swifties out there enough uh, airtime with Taylor Swift, Um, and they gave us hardcore football fans. They gave us what we came for, which was a great, great Super Bowl game.
1: And, you know, of course, the odds have come out already by sports betting, and they have Kansas City Chiefs 5-1 to to win it next year, San Francisco 49ers 6-1, to and the Lions in the third spot at 7-1. to So we're looking forward to hearing you call the games next season, Lomas.
11: Absolutely. From New Orleans, Jamie, I'll be ready. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to hang out on Bourbon Street too much. No, we'll so do I'm that for you. For that
12: <laughs> next year.
1: I'm available for <laughs> Bourbon Street <laughs> business. Yeah. Thank you, Lomas Brown. We appreciate you.
11: Thanks.
1: Take care. Uh, Coming up on JR. Morning, we talk about today's headlines, and then at eight nineteen, Nolan Finley, editorial page editor for the Detroit News.
0: What did that cake say, Jamie? That you found it was a it was a Lions cake, a Lions fan that got I think just perfectly summed up what. Hold on, let me get it exactly so I get it right for you guys. That's okay.
1: I'm going to Instagram. But amongst the
0: amongst the baked goods that people did, I saw a Travis and Taylor cake, which you know you knew we were going to see some of those. But um,
1: I think it was—I can't find it right now—but it was like, "Who cares against whatever?" Go Lions! Yeah, you know, something <laughs> right. like
0: that. That people are already—and it's you know—and after after talking to Lomas in the last hour, and if you missed it, uh, you can find it at wjr.com. It does just get you geared up, and that—that that was maybe the main t- the takeaway in looking at those two teams and all the miscues and the sloppy play. It's like we should have been there. That's right. Nothing that Correct. we saw yesterday would spook us for next year no no it wasn't like you said oh yeah yeah they're not quite ready yet no no they're more than ready absolutely
1: and that's what's exciting they have seven to one odds third best and let's face forward to the draft and then to the next season now wow
0: yeah we're still awaiting the nielsen numbers to see if it was the most watched super bowl of all time there was a lot of um speculation that uh because of taylor swift's presence and i gotta give her credit and CBS credit. CBS credit didn't dwell on the shots they they, like they have in past games. And you know what? When it came time after KC won, she stayed off the podium. There were a couple of other wives there. And she said, you know, that's not my place. Don't want to steal the spotlight from Travis. She she let them have their moment in the spotlight. She doesn't need to do that. And I thought that no. was a smart move.
1: Yeah, I You know my position. These are two people that are supposedly in love. Let them live. Yeah. Yeah.
2: She just happens to be a star, and yeah, he's a star, which too. which is not her fault. <laughs> right,
0: yeah. exactly. Well, maybe the biggest star. Well, yeah. I mean, she's I mean, it is, yeah, it is what it is, a but different kind and of And the Chiefs scale.
1: owner said he had been asked about her throughout the entire season since she started coming to games in week two, and he just is happy for this couple and happy for his player. i happy care. for
0: the NFL. It's brought attention to yeah. a, a, America's sport in a way that otherwise we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I did
1: see a meme. Swifties only had to wait three months to see their team win a Super Bowl, while the rest of us have waited. our whole lives. <laughs> <laughs>
0: true. It is true. Meantime, you know, there were a number of spots that popped up that made you go. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the religious spots I thought were really uh, touching. There were a number of ones. Dr. King's speechwriter appeared in one that was an anti-hate message that was powerful. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere comes this Robert F. Kennedy Jr. ad, which basically co-opted his uncle's nineteen sixty campaign spot
1: and jingle, yeah, and it it seemed like it was uh, taken right out of nineteen sixty, yeah. and it, it was kind of like jarring when you saw it. It was, and I said to myself, I said,
2: "This has to be." It. He didn't just create this to make it look like this, this is a, the commercial, a John F. Kennedy commercial that he just put his. You know, facing yeah, and for I those of tell. us
0: that were around for the Kennedys and President Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy and and you know suffered their loss when they were killed, it it was an uncomfortable moment for me to see him leverage that and and their legacy.
1: Well, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. tweeted last night, I'm so sorry if the Super Bowl advertisement caused anyone in my family pain. The ad was created and aired by the American Values Super PAC. Without any involvement or approval from my campaign, FEC rules prohibit Super PACs from consulting with me or my staff. I love you all. God bless you. So he says he was not involved at all. You know, good for him.
0: Yeah. I sometimes think, though, this whole, well... <laughs> The PAC made me do it is, is a little bit of a cop-out. But I, I can understand what he's saying there. Meantime, a new poll released this morning, ABC News Ipsos poll. Uh, they asked the question of Americans. Is President Biden and is Donald Trump too old to serve in that role? And 86% of Americans said the 81-year-old president is too old to serve another term. Uh, and that includes 73% of Democrats. They are very much off of the Biden train for this very issue, and when you get to independence, the tipping point voters who d- determine the outcome of these elections, 9one percent feel the president is too old. Of course, all of this uh, in the wake of the special counsel's report, Robert Hur, saying that he would not charge Joe Biden for willfully retaining classified documents in his garage uh, because he felt he would be too sympathetic. As a uh, as a defendant and that juries would have a hard time convicting what he called an elderly man with a poor memory. Well, from Jill Biden to the vice president to Mitch Landrew, the uh, president's campaign manager, they were on all the Sunday programs oh, yeah. uh, saying that uh, his mental acuity is sharp, that this was nothing but political. We talked with the former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan. Uh, Matthew Schneider, who knows a little something, he knows Robert Hur, he knows what is permissible and not in these kinds of documents, and said this was not political by any stretch.
7: I didn't view them as political at all because I know Rob Herr, I know his team, I know the work that he did. And I also know that federal law requires the special counsel to turn over a, re- a report to the attorney general. And he couldn't just turn over a one line report that says we're deciding not to bring charges. He had to give a fulsome explanation of why. And part of this had to do with what this would look like in front of a jury, what the witnesses would think of a defendant being President Biden. And it was completely justified from my perspective to explain this, turn it over to the attorney general, and then it's up to attorney general garland if he wants to return uh, turn this over to the public or not. So, I didn't I didn't see it as gratuitous at all.
0: And and some are saying that uh, you know, Merrick Garland this is a betrayal that the attorney general would release this about his boss. He doesn't serve Biden. He serves the country. country. That's right. And this is something that people keep getting confused about. But, yeah. Uh an important moment and if you want to hear the rest of our interview with Matthew Schneider it was very uh, forthcoming, you can find it at wjr.com.
2: Uh, The Defense Secretary, Lloyd Austin, he's uh, hospitalized once again, this time to address a bladder issue stemming from his ongoing recovery from prostate cancer. The Pentagon announcing yesterday that Austin diagnosed with prostate cancer in December was transported to Walter Reed for symptoms suggesting an emergent bladder issue. Despite intending to retain his office duties, Austin transferred authority to Deputy Secretary of Defense Kathleen Hicks Medical officials at Walter Reed confirming Austin's admission to the critical care unit for supportive care and monitoring. While the duration of his hospital stay remains uncertain, doctors remain optimistic about his full recovery. Austin's schedule trip to Brussels for a meeting with Ukraine military support and NATO defense ministers' meetings hangs in the balance as the Pentagon assesses the situation.
0: Yeah, it's just very dist- I mean, He's in critical care, and I know this isn't, they say it doesn't in any way. Uh, diminish what they think is a positive prognosis for his cancer, but that's still uh, uh, concerning.
2: Absolutely, and especially for our enemies and our allies. Exactly
0: um this uh, tomorrow will be for all of us that uh, remember what happened at Michigan State a year ago tomorrow it will be a difficult day Uh, but an important day to remember as well
1: of course you have to remember the lives that were lost there's a great article in the Detroit News by Kim Kozlowski she talks to Alex Werner's family Mm. about how she was an artist and how she you know was taken too soon and and the memories they have of her but then how the family wants to move forward and try and To make sure this doesn't happen again, Uh, if you look up stories, Michigan State is going to mark this year in many different ways. So students have a chance to grieve in many different ways. Classes are canceled on Tuesday. They're going to put candles in windows. They're going to have a candlelit vigil at night. There are many ways to remember the lies that were lost. And if you want to learn more about Alex Verner, go to the Detroit News. She
0: was a bright light. Yeah. And, um, As were
1: all the yeah. three that were lost, of course. And we should also
0: point out that for for those surviving students that are attending Michigan State University, that the university is offering a, a live shooter training uh, yes. program so that you know what to do and how to be a leader in those situations. But only 3% so far of students and faculty have taken it. And, uh
1: Yeah, we talked to Dave Boucher about this, um, and you can go back to WJR.com and listen to his article or his podcast. He is a writer for the Detroit Free Press, and he did a deep dive on what Michigan State is doing and what they still need to do.
0: Uh, There's another family that we need to keep in our thoughts, and that's the NAVA family of Traverse City, Michigan. We talked about the Super Stallion helicopter that crashed near San Diego last Friday well, when they released uh, the names of the victims, turns out one of them is a Traverse City native, Captain Miguel Nava, just 28 years old. Uh, he was aboard that uh, stallion that went down, uh, was also uh, one of our proud uh, Michigan residents that attended the Naval Academy at Annapolis. Mm. And uh, Justin Amash, the congressman that helped with him getting that appointment, was, uh, said he was remembering that family, as we all should uh, on this uh, Monday morning. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be checking in with our good friend Nolan Finley from the NATO uh, kerfuffle with uh, candidate Trump uh, to Joseph Biden's memory problems. We'll find out uh, Nolan's take on it all just ahead on J.R. Morning at 8.19. Meantime, we want to extend a special invitation for something that I think is going to be truly memorable, and that is WJR Travel Club's first visit To Asia, this is going to be an amazing trip. We're going to be departing in September uh, for what was formerly known as Saigon, now known as Ho Chi Minh City. And this is going to be a 13-day immersive travel experience into, I think, a land that is both mysterious and ancient, Cambodia, Vietnam. And we're going to be doing it all on our own riverboat. We got our own riverboat, and we're going to be sailing up the Mekong River to really um, take a a deep dive into Southeast Asia life. And we hope that you will join us from a little cocktail making to some yoga on the deck, uh, indulging in the local cuisine, but just also understanding all the mysteries and the incredible landmarks in that part of the world. One of the hottest travel destinations going right now. To learn more about it, see the full itinerary, go to WJRTravelClub.com. That's WJRTravelClub.com and learn more about this amazing cruise and tour journey we hope you'll join us well on friday we talked to our good friend nolan finley about the her report uh, coming out uh, discussing why he was not going to charge the uh, former president with uh, willfully retaining classified documents and the whole thing about biden's memory we said well gosh what are we possibly going to talk about on monday and here, uh, how many other shoes have dropped in the interim and we welcome in the editorial page editor for the detroit news for his monday visit nolan good morning Good morning, Guy. Uh, Just when we thought that, you know, maybe we'd left our Monday interview in the Friday locker room, former President Donald Trump said this.
4: One of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, Well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, You didn't pay? You're delinquent? He said, Yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. you got to pay.
0: The head of NATO Jens Stoltenberg said this puts all our troops, American and European soldiers, at risk, and that it made Vladimir Putin smile. Other critics have said that. Your thoughts on this?
13: Well, and you—you um, you listen. Uh, this is the guy Republicans are cheering at the top of the throats. I mean, uh, he's basically a lunatic guy. Uh, I mean, how do you? <laughs> I mean, do, should our NATO partners pay? Yes, they should pay, Uh, but this isn't a pay-to-play arrangement. Uh, If if Russia goes off off the reservation again and uh, starts attacking our allies, we're going to sit there really and say, hey, you didn't pay last month's bill, so have at it. I think it's a sort of reckless rhetoric that we've come to expect for Trump, and it's almost hard to believe that we're falling for for it again.
2: Nolan, uh, the former president also uh, said this about uh, Nikki Haley's husband.
4: Where's her husband? Oh, he's away. He's away. What happened to her husband? What happened to her husband? Where is he? He's gone.
2: Now, you know, once again, he's talking about a person who's uh, serving our country, uh, as he has talked about uh, Gold Star members and talked about John McCain. Um, Your thoughts on,
13: on, on this? Well Donald Trump is a Vietnam era age. Where was he? Um in Vietnam. What sort of deferment did he angle for himself? Uh for a guy who didn't serve his country at a time when other other young men his age were. Um I think I just shut up about it.
2: On the flip side though, and, Nikki Haley, you know, uh you know, he talked about these gold star members and and McCain, you know, before when Nikki Haley was working for him and she didn't say anything about it then.
13: Well, I mean, right, but, uh, you know, here's, again, this is not about what Nikki Haley should or shouldn't have said. It's about the serial, uh, impropriety of, of Donald Trump. It's an indication of his biggest flaw. Uh, it's his character or lack of character. And people all the time are saying to me, oh, well, what about Donald Trump? You agree with his policy? He had good policies. Well, character matters, you know, and there are any number of other people, other Republicans who could put the same policies in place and, you know, but have a much higher character and be a much more representative of what the United States stands for.
1: Um. In your opinion piece, the title was The Unmaking of a President. It's over for Joe right. Biden. So you believe the special counsel Robert Herr's report is just too much to overcome?
13: Well, that and the, the follow-up uh, appearance on, on Thursday night designed to sort of uh, assure Americans that the report wasn't correct. And all it did was confirm everybody's uh, suspicions about the president that he that he doesn't have uh, full full capabilities any longer. And if you look at what the electric is worried most about Joe Biden, it's that he is too old and too feeble uh, to to serve another four years. And this report played right into those fears, uh, confirmed them basically. I don't think there's any spin the White House can do that that would make up for that i think you know i think it is over for him and i think democrats know it is they just can't figure out how to replace him and if they don't replace him their number one goal here of making sure donald trump doesn't return to the white house is going to be for nothing because i think uh, joe biden is the only democrat donald trump can beat
1: there's this And ABC News Ipsos poll that just came out yesterday, 86 percent of Americans think Biden, who is 81, is too old to serve another term as president. That includes 59 percent of Americans who think both he and former President Trump are too old and 27 percent who think only Biden is too old. So,
13: yeah,
0: you know, the funny thing is they sent out all their all the all the Biden apologists came out on the Sunday morning news programs, Nolan. And, and you know, attesting to his mental acuity as if that news conference had never happened where he mixed right, up yeah. the president of Israel right. and, and Mexico and where he kind of stumbled and mumbled his way through his own defense.
13: Not not for the first time. So are you going to believe your lying eyes or uh, or all the spin masters here? I you know I, instead of trying to do the impossible, and that is make make Americans uh believe something that's absolutely not true, find another candidate. I mean, uh, LBJ had to come to to the realization in 68 that he couldn't win. Uh, It's time for Biden or the people around him or the Democratic Party itself to say, this guy's going to get us creamed in November. Uh, Let's see if we can't find someone else and find them now.
2: Nolan, uh, about a minute left. Uh, you know, the uh, Biden administration, some Biden administration officials were, uh in Dearborn to speak with the Arab American uh, voters uh, who want him to, you know, call for a ceasefire and stop sending uh, Israel financial and military aid. Is that going to happen?
13: No, it's not going to happen. And the White House is sh- the White House should just come out and say, hey, we can't do that. You know, Israel is our ally in Israel is fighting for its very existence here. Uh you know, I think they'll make a lot of a lot of um symbolic gestures towards uh Netanyahu to say, hey, and they already have, say, hey, ease off or back off. But Israel's doing what it has to do here. Uh if they pull out and leave Hamas intact, intact, they're gonna be right here again next year. And I think they're determined not to be here uh in this same position next year. And so uh i don't think uh the biden administration will
0: all right nolan thank you so much have a great week my friend
1: huge win for the michigan state spartans when they beat number 10 illinois 88 to 80 80. uh let's bring in tom Izzo, of course head basketball coach and wjr senior sports analyst steve courtney to talk about this great bounce back win good morning gentlemen
14: An instant classic at the Breslin Center. Yeah, I mean,
1: what happened there, senior analyst?
14: Hello? Hello. You're there. We We got you. you. All right. I was just saying, an instant classic at the Breslin Center. Saturday afternoon, as our Michigan State Spartans played host to number 12, Illinois, after a three-point play from A.J. Hogart, who had himself a ball game, this thing tied 72 apiece uh, with about four minutes and change left. This particular tilt... uh, changed hands many many times 15 ties 16 lead changes no place for a nervous person senior stepping up let's talk about it coach how are you this morning I, uh i'm waiting for jamie's analysis because <laughs> she's usually coaching
12: and uh <laughs> i got stuff for you 11 i i can only imagine <laughs> we did uh give up 11 threes guys you don't min- win many games giving up 11 threes and yet a couple of them were tough shots and uh they were kind of you know throughout the game and uh, especially the start you know to give illinois credit they were good and uh it was a big win for us because that i think is as as talented or the most talented team in our league and maybe one of the more talented teams in the country
1: uh, A.J. Hogart tied his career high with 23 points, 12 of 13 from the free throw line. That was huge. You had a lot of contributors this time down the stretch.
12: Well, we did. And, uh, you know, I thought uh, between Hogart and especially, uh, you know, we we were just eye uh, eyelash short sure of having three guys for 20 points. That doesn't happen very often. And, and Jay Nakins was in a little foul trouble early, but he played pretty well and so those four are the ones that are going to carry us, you know, unfortunately we got, uh, Trey Holloman in foul trouble too, and he didn't play much in that first half. And, uh, but, you know, we're still, uh, by committee at the center, you know, and everybody does some good things and yet we, we struggle there some. So that's our point of emphasis this week. But, uh, I think when AJ is playing well and playing good defensively, that kind of inspires Tyson and and uh I thought the other guy that uh played real well was Moe Call. You know, he we went to him in the post. He you know, by going into the post we we got to the free throw line a lot more, easier said than done. Jimmy would say, Why don't you do that more often? But and, yeah. and I'd probably agree with her, uh, to be <laughs> honest. But uh sometimes it's matchups.
2: Coach, uh you know, Illinois has a pretty good fast break offense but msu you guys really kind of got the better of them in that transition basketball
12: well we really did in fact in every category you know turnovers i think we had six uh to the free throw line i think we got there 30 some times all those uh stats and a lot of the effort related stats uh rebounding was even which uh they're plus 12 or 13 against their opponents so we did a good job there um you know we you know, I, I, if I had an answer and why, but we just seemed more, uh, more focused the whole time, and uh, that's kind of been one of our negatives, and we've got to do that. And watching the Super Bowl last night, um, I kind of listen. I, I, I watch all the pregame stuff. That's more exciting than the game sometimes. And <laughs> listening to Kansas City, uh, you know, they went through some tough times this year, got beat some, uh, struggled some, and... And yet their anchor, Mahone, uh, you know, was there. And when A.J. is like he was the other day, uh, we're a better team, as most teams are when their quarterbacks play well.
14: Uh, I think a number that uh, put a smile on your face afterwards, Coach, uh, rebounding. Uh, it has been an issue of late, 33 rebounds apiece, uh, not to mention uh, the final number from the charity stripe, 73.5%, with A.J. and Malik making some very critical ones down the stretch.
12: Yeah, that was the difference. You know, we've lost a couple games shooting atrociously from the line. I keep
14: saying
12: I think we're a good free-throw shooting team. We just – there's certain guys there or we just miss some that you can't miss. But um, it makes a difference. And, uh, and by the way, our crowd was – I mean, it's always been good. It's been an unbelievable year. We've been more up and down than our crowd has been. But on this given day, um, it was uh, – Maybe the best I've heard it in 10 years. So that helped, too,
14: and take nothing away from that.
1: Moving forward. Sorry, uh, Steve. Sorry, I was
14: just just going to ask. Go go ahead. ahead. No, no, Steve, you go. Go I was just going to ask Tom, uh, you know, with what we discussed Friday, uh, coming off the disappointment in Minnesota, uh, and this team is able to stay mentally tough and stay in the moment in a difficult game against a damn good team, Uh, you look for this to be maybe a defining moment moving forward?
12: You know, you hope so. Um, You know, I think everybody has to have one in this season. And uh, you have those, I was talking to one of the, we had a little alumni thing. One of the guys was back in the 79 team, reminded me they were five and four and, you know, just about out of it and won a big game against Ohio State. and catapulted them to winning six out of seven and, Winning the league, and that's when you had to win the league to get into the tournament. So, uh, you know, there's always those moments in a in a season. uh, You know, that'll be interesting. Uh, We're playing a team that has won three out of four in Penn State. They went on the road yesterday and had Northwestern down most of the game, and uh, so it's a it's a concern, you know. And uh, we got this uh, turnaround now. We'll leave tomorrow, play Wednesday, and uh, we got to. see if we can somehow bring the same uh, level of intensity on a regular basis and not be consistently inconsistent in that area.
1: I didn't mean to step on your toes, Steve, but that was sort of my question as well. I loved that when you did that. (laughs) (laughs) The game felt like a game in March, and there are only seven games left as you guys march toward the postseason.
12: Well, it it did. I mean, uh, but that's what, the middle of february should you know you should start to to feel that and um, and make no mistake about it you know sometimes you beat a good team because they played bad we beat a good team that played really good i mean they shot it well and um we clamped down when we really needed to but uh, we made some big plays as you said we made some big free throws um that's what's going to win games for you you got to still build defend rebound and run and And even early, I thought we defended pretty well. They just made some some great shots. So, uh, yeah, it had a feel for uh, March, and uh, that's a good feeling. You know, I love March.
2: And Coach uh, uh, Kohler coming back from foot surgery. I know it's been a little slow, but he's he's been progressing pretty steadily, though. Yeah,
12: you know that uh, that's another good point. Uh, You know, we we got to get him more time. We were we were really pleased. With some of the things Cohen Carr did, we're still not giving up on Booker. He's been way better in practice and just couldn't get him in that game. They went with four guards a lot in that game. But uh, Kohler, you know, he missed a couple of wide-open layups that he normally are just money for him. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the rust that he's still working on getting off. But uh, he had a couple of rebounds and a block that uh, you don't think he can do that. He's like Zach Randolph, you know, I can't jump over that uh, old phone book. We don't have them anymore, but the old phone book, and yet he uh, he finds a way to get some things with good timing. So that that's going to help us too if we can get a little scoring in there. If we can get 10, 12 points out of our post, that would really help us.
14: Quickly, Tom, uh, I've never seen a player teed up for a post-shot chirp, and we saw it a couple times with Coleman Hawkins and our own Jaden Uh Have you ever seen that call twice in a game?
12: No, there's a lot of things I didn't see called. I think uh, Brad Brad and I were uh, walking out at halftime, uh, and I said maybe we should just uh, get thrown out of here and we could go relax and let our assistant take over. It was a crazy uh, game. I I did not see what their player did. Um, I did see what Jaden did, and if you know Jaden Aikens, he might be the best overall kid I have on my team. I mean, in other words, as a student, as a player, he doesn't talk it. I, his was more put his arms out, and uh, and we warned him, and that's why I jumped him. We warned him once once they do it to the opposition, if you chew gum the wrong way, They're, you know that's when they want to even out, especially if it's a question mark call. So I, I worry a little bit, you know. Um, I don't want anybody downgrading a player, but if you take some of the enthusiasm away, um, you know, I think we get a little ridiculous there, too. So, True. not knowing the full understanding of what happened, and I really didn't call anybody to check on it. If we would have lost, I probably would have, but on a win, I didn't. The biggest thing it, it hurt us was the two free throws they made, but it's a, what I tried to tell Jaden is, I can't afford to have him out of the game. So, True. That's another foul on him. And that's, but trust me when I say of all the guys I got on my team, the least guy that would talk it and show off it and everything else is Jade Hagen. So um, uh, that's, uh, I was more upset about getting another foul on him than I really was about him doing it. Cause he's just such a good kid and he, he doesn't do it. So I'll find out. Well, all right, once again,
1: on all the, the road. Spartans listening, especially the one in my house, he appreciated that statement win. And Wednesday at Penn State is your next one on the schedule. So good luck to you, Coach, and good morning to you, Steve.
14: 6.30 is what? the tip time. Our broadcast yeah. Wednesday night getting underway at 5.30. Take care of business there, uh, Coach. How about the day? Is it sunny
12: down there? There's not a cloud in the sky up here. It's, uh, it's a great day, so. Steve, get those Speedos on and get out there and, lay in the sun and have a good day, brother. My eyes. <laughs> my eyes. Where's a mental picture
14: yeah. everybody was waiting for on a Monday?
12: We, 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 we call it in the UP. We call that visual pollution. So uh, uh, Maybe you should keep them all on and just go out and stand and get your face full of sun. All right? There you go.
14: All, all right. right, buddy. Thanks, guys. See you See later. See you, Coach. Bye-bye. Thanks, Coach.
1: That was fun. It's always fun. Must listen radio every Monday and Friday with Coach. Well, especially
0: coming off a victory like that. Exactly. It's fun to talk about. They got some Mo, uh, which they they need. Uh, When we come back, a comeback of sorts, not in uh, terms of sports, but in terms of television. Also, what was your favorite ad? You want to text that to us? We're eager to listen. 1-800-859-0957. 1-800-859-0WJR. Text us what was the one that. Maybe touched you or tickled your funny bone last night, we're back. proving everything is old is new again. John Stewart returning to Comedy Central and his particular brand of political humor. you know it's a totally different landscape than it is. when he left i and i was I was startled it was it was Nearly 10 years ago. It's 2015 never that he would, oh, he really? would come back. Yeah.
2: yeah. I didn't think he would come back. ever I didn't think he would ever come back. I well, he's coming he back
0: for one night. Week. He's, he's become the Rachel Maddow of coming to Central. Yeah. He's coming <laughs> right. back for one night a week only. Right. Um, but uh, he will be debuting tonight. You know, there he was, I think, the the best at just lasering political hypocrisy on both sides. Mm-hmm. And I hope he's as even-handed as he was back in 2015. Um he does a great job of lampooning the hypocrites, and I think that's something that never gets old. The problem is now you look at the the, the you know the firmament of late night stars. Now they're all doing John Stewart to one oh. degree or another, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, he started. Yeah, it.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: John Oliver to me seems like he started in the John Stewart era kind of deal. All of well, it. yeah, they're
0: all alums. Colbert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if Steve Carell came back and had, I mean, you forget how many stars that John Stewart spawned on that show. Do you think it will be as sharp and as as good as it was, or do you think it will seem a little warmed over? He's, I expect it to be, but who who knows? I'll, I'll, I'll well,
2: tune let's in. tune in and yeah. see,
1: because I, I think he's a smart guy, so why wouldn't it be good?
0: Right, and I also think he keenly understands you. You don't come back to do what you did before. You come back because you've got an idea of how to do it better and move the ball forward.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: And so we'll see if we'll see if he does that. Uh, like, my goodness, it is a mother load of stuff that he can mine oh, from right God. now. Oh, wow. Yes. You know, um, we'll uh, we'll see if maybe he is uh, a little less apologistic. Is that a word?
6: But you just made it one
0: apologetic. Thank you. <laughs> you just made it one. I just I did uh, about Joe Biden's uh, memory. Uh, meantime, uh, we we did we briefly kind of got into it, and then we moved on. We talked to Bob Cold earlier today, the ad expert from Michigan State University, who's been doing it for decades. What was your top pick for the uh, for the ad bonanza yesterday?
1: The Dunkings, Ben Affleck showing up in that tracksuit, and um, not Jennifer Garner. Oops. Flip of the Tom <laughs> J. J-Lo. Lo. there are a
0: lot of Jennifers in his, yeah, yeah, in his wake,
1: it's kind of rolling her eyes. And it, I thought it was funny with Tom Brady, I just thought that was a good one. And Damon, yes, Damon, and, and
0: yeah, it's like, boy, you're really testing our friendship, buddy. Uh, <laughs> and, and, did you notice how it seemed like uh, Brady was u- ubiquitous? He was in the Fan Duel ad. He was in the Dunkin's ad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was everywhere yesterday.
1: Well, he's supposed to be on the broadcast next year. He's yes. got
0: time. Is he the $37 million man something or something like that? Like that? But yeah. isn't
1: he going to be part owner? So how's that going to work? How do you broadcast? Yeah,
0: that's going to be awkward, and they're going to have to do a little recusal, I would think. On some things. I got to tell you that the E, I, I, it wasn't, I, you'd be hard pressed, I think, in, in the final analysis to say what the ad was about. But the little girl, figure skater, skating, and she looks up at the stands and there's an empty seat. Mm-hmm. And you're going, well, is it mom? Is it, well, it turns out it's grandpa. But dad piles her into the car. They get to grandpa's cabin and there's a rink there. And he sets up all the lights and she does her And he powers routine. it
1: using his EV. Yes. yes. That was the commercial. But there, yeah. that pulled at your heartstrings. That was lost on me.
0: Yeah. I was so focused on trying not you to cry that you I totally you didn't think terrible. about that you're it. You're coming powerful. at it from a grandparent yeah, yeah, point yeah. of view, yeah. and it was you know, it just was. It was so sweet. It didn't. We would we'd play it for you. It just doesn't translate well to radio at all. So many don't. Do we have any? Uh, do we have any listeners, Nick, uh, with some uh, nominations of their own?
8: Yeah, someone said they liked the Jeremy Renner silk commercial. Sort of a "Hey, I'm back to normal" commercial for him. That's from Patrick. Uh, someone like the kids playing pickleball, which I think was... Uh, the babies. The babies. Yeah. And then uh, someone else says the NFL migrating bird football players, which was...
1: Uh, I also yeah. thought I that, was- that
0: was... hysterical and clever. Yeah. 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 The Eagles and Seahawks coming in for a landing. landing Except yeah.
1: they were football players sort of flapping their wings <laughs> and flying. <laughs> right. so pretty funny.
0: Yeah. I'd have to agree with all those nominees. In fact, the E-Trade, I think, was top five for the Michigan State judges. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and they, they, they did... I mean, those adults needed to be put in their place. That uh, was that was. What did Lloyd like?
2: Stuff. Oh, I mean, I liked it. all the ones you guys talked about. I liked the Dunkin' Donuts, the the one with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, I love that one too. Napa, but, uh, Napa. Uh, you know, we talked about women being uh, uh, watching this more and more women, and they had that ELF cosmetics commercial with Judge Judy calling it Judge Beauty, uh, and she looked about. 10 years younger than she did. They made her look pretty young,
0: and, you know, Judge Judy is up there. Well, that was also kind of a reboot for Suits, and yes. we saw that twice. We saw Gabriel Macht and uh, Patrick Adams show up on, on a – I can't even remember the spot now, but they showed up, and then uh, uh, Gina Torres mm-hmm. showed up in the Judge Judy spot yep. as well.
1: yep. I, I enjoyed it. Look, the game didn't have that much going for it in the first half, but I like watching the commercials. I liked flipping over to the Waste Management, uh, two playoff holes. I just liked Boy. sports yesterday. Good day for sports.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that was kind of a, a bit of a poop show at the, at the, the Waste Management, no pun intended. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, we talked about it off air. I thought it was way too much. It's supposed to be the party, you know tournament but i went i think it went too far
0: it yeah turned in kind of a beer soaked mess there and and the pga is going to have to kind of address that yeah all talk is next uh we look forward to visiting again with you tomorrow at six till then take care